We've been preaching a series of messages on the judgment seat of Christ. This is our second message on this. And a lot of God's people doesn't understand the judgments. Now, there are three basic judgments. There's the judgment seat of Christ. And then there's the judgment of the nations in in Matthew 25. And then there's the great white throne judgment. We're going to be looking at some things tonight that will help us understand just where we're at concerning the judgment of God. A lot of Christians feel, well, you know, I'm saved, so now I don't have to worry about the judgment. Well, God doesn't want you to worry about the judgment, but he wants you to be prepared for it. Because even Christians will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. No Christian will stand before the great white throne judgment. Who, you say, well, preacher, who stands before the great white throne judgment in the last five verses of Revelation 20? Who is it that's there? Well, it's the dead, small and great, standing before God. Heaven has fled away. Earth has fled away. Everyone that's ever lived from Adam and Eve to the time of past uh, the millennium all the way to the end, everyone that's ever lived on planet Earth that has lived a wicked God-separated life, disconnected from God, the lost will stand before God on the, at the great white throne judgment. But what's beautiful with you and I as Christians, we're not lost. We've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we will not be at the great white throne judgment. And that's important to me. Because honestly, the great white throne judgment terrifies me. It ought to terrify anybody that isn't saved. That's the one place that every human being on the earth should avoid at all costs. Avoid going to the great white throne judgment. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. As I said, there's a judgment seat of Christ, the judgment of the nations, Matthew 25. That's at the end of the great tribulation, the great white throne judgment. But we're going to look tonight at four appearing judgments. Now, there's many judgments in the Bible, but we're going to look at four appearing judgments. Look at verse 27 and 28 of Hebrews chapter 9. The last two verses of Hebrews chapter 9. As it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this to judgment, So Christ was once offered to bear, to carry, to take, to suffer the sins of many. And unto them that look, are you looking for him, shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. What are those four appearing judgments? Number one, the cross. Number two, the judgment seat of Christ. Number three, the judgments of the nations. Number four, the great white throne judgment. I'll draw your attention to verse 28 again. So Christ was once offered to bear, to carry, to take the sins of many. And unto them that look, are you looking? Are you looking? They that look for him shall he appear. I'm looking for that. I want the Lord to appear. And the Bible says he will appear the second time without sin unto salvation. That phrase without sin unto salvation means without condemnation. 
for our sins, for Jesus Christ has took them all on the cross of Calvary. I'm using for the subject, of course, the four appearing judgments. You may be seated. Someone said, if you're only born once and you die in your sinful state, you will die twice. And the dying that second death is called the lake of fire in Revelation chapter 20. It's, it's very clear that the lake of fire is the second death. So as a Christian, we've been born on the earth. We grew into condemnation because we're condemned of our sin, a sinful nature. We grew into condemnation, but Jesus Christ came to remove the condemnation, to set us free by his blood and his power through his death and resurrection. And Jesus Christ borns again us. So we're born twice. We're not born once. We're born twice, born again. So we're born twice so we won't die twice. We may die physically, but we're not ever going to die again. The lost man will die twice, die physically and then die again in the lake of fire, which is a second death. But a born-again Christian, because he has been born twice, and one is a spiritual birth, born again, he's been set free from his condemnation, and now there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. According to Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is therefore now. Everybody say now. Everybody say wow. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh. When you get born again, you stop walking after the flesh. But they who walk after the Spirit, there is therefore no condemnation to them that, that, have, that has been saved and redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. And so I want you to catch hold of what I'm saying because, you know, the Christian, we live in a time in which Jesus Christ could come in any moment. Now, we've been born. It's appointed unto men once to die. If Jesus doesn't return, everyone in this room will die. Lost or saved, you will die because it's appointed unto men once to die. But God has interrupted death by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So one day, Jesus Christ shall descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of an archangel, the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ, those that are sleeping physically in the graveyard that are with Christ, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remaining shall be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. We will never die. Now, I'm looking for the rapture and not the rupture. But a believer, when he gives his heart to Christ, that believer has passed from death unto life, and that believer may die physically but never die again or die spiritually because you've been delivered from the second death, which is a lake of fire. You'll, a, a believer will never stand at the great white throne judgment. But a believer will stand at the judgment, not the great white throne judgment, but a believer will stand at the judgment. Before I get into this in any detail, I want to mention that it is appointed. That's an appointment. You can't cancel it. 
You might postpone it for a little while, but you're appointed to die if the Lord tarries his return. And after the death, you, uh, you are judged, a time of judgment. Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. We see in this verse 28 that Christ come to give us a believing chance. Notice I didn't say a fighting chance. You can't fight your way out of the graveyard. You can't fight your way out of the circumstances. But he has given us a believing chance. A place of believer's hope. And when a Christian is, when, a, when you were born into this earth, you were born as a baby, of course, in the earth, an earthling. You uh, managed to become under condemnation. As you got older, you got worse in sin. But then you heard about the power of Jesus Christ. You repented of your sins. You grieved away from your sins and fell into the arms of Jesus Christ. You got born again. Second time, born again. So that you'll never die twice. You'll always live forever once you give your heart to Jesus Christ. Now let me put this very clear to you. There are four appearings of judgment. The cross, the judgment seat of Christ, the judgment of the nations, that is in Matthew 25, and the great white throne judgment, and that is the last five verses of Revelation chapter 20. You say, well, preacher, you've slowed down a little bit. I did, and I want you to understand that um, I'm surprised at how many Christians really don't understand this judgment process. The Bible says that when you believe in Jesus Christ, you are now not condemned, but you have passed from death unto life. So the first judgment was through our Lord Jesus Christ. He came to judge, not you, but our sins. Jesus Christ came the first time to planet Earth to judge sickness and disease, heartbreak and wickedness, but he never came to judge man because he said to the woman taken in adultery, neither do I condemn thee, go and sin no more. But there's coming a day that Jesus Christ will judge. But he came the first time to judge this world of darkness, to judge this power of darkness. And Jesus Christ came and on the cross of Calvary, as Jesus walked the stores of Galilee and the streets of Jericho and the streets of Jerusalem, he was passing judgment upon the lame man, rise and walk. He's passing judgment upon the blind, open your eyes and see. He's passing judgment upon those that are weary and give them eternal life. So Jesus came, first of all, to make it really hard on the sick, not sick people, but the sickness, the disease, and make it extremely hard on the devil. So Jesus came to judge the devil to judge circumstances and went to the cross of Calvary, the only way that he could bring judgment upon you and I as far as uh, being accountable for our sins is that Jesus Christ went to the cross of Calvary and took our sins upon the cross of Calvary. 
Jesus Christ went to the cross and took our shame, took our guilt, took our hell, took our condemnation. Jesus Christ came and died on the cross of Calvary. God in him reconciling the world unto himself. And Jesus Christ shed his blood on that cross and he cried out to everyone that, that if you want, to, if you thirst, come and drink of the waters of freely, uh, freely. And Jesus Christ saved the thief on the cross on his right side, left side, whatever side. We don't know for sure what side. But let me tell you, friend, when you give your heart to Jesus Christ, you're on the right side. And Jesus Christ said to that one on the cross beside him, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And so Jesus Christ came and took our hell, took our judgment, took the wrath of God upon him. God the Father poured out his judgment on his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Woo, don't just sit there, feel something. And so the first judgment Jesus took for us. Isn't that beautiful? The first judgment Jesus took for us. Not only did he take the first judgment for us, he took all the judgments for us. That's another reason why I believe the church will be caught up to be with Jesus before the great tribulation. Jesus Christ took our judgment. Now, he took away condemnation. Now, judgment, you know, we're still going to be judged as, at the judgment seat of Christ, but we're not being judged to decide whether or not we go to heaven or not. We're not being judged for our sin. We're going to be judged for our faithfulness and our stewardship to God. Otherwise, we're going to receive rewards. Now, before I go any further, I want to say that after Jesus Christ took the wrath of God, his Father, died on the cross of Calvary for our sins, he went to the grave, and in three days and three nights later, he arose again from the grave. And whosoever believes in him and his power, his love, his might, his death, burial, and resurrection, whoever will put their trust in him shall not come into condemnation, but have the light of life, have life itself in their heart. So we shall not be condemned. At the judgment seat of Christ, we will not be condemned. We will not be punished for our sin. There are people that think that God punishes people on the earth for their sin. Why should God punish anybody on the earth for their sin? Sin does a good job of itself. I guess the re what I need to say to you is this. A lot of believers think that people get sick because God's judging them. Or believers have problems because God's judging them. No, God may be disciplining them. He may be disciplining them. Or he may be correcting them. But your punishment was already done on the cross of Calvary. We have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ and from the wrath of God. Amen? Isn't that good? Then there's a judgment seat of Christ. And the judgment seat of Christ, you know, believers are still going to be judged, but not judged to, to determine whether they go to heaven or hell. We're already saved. We're saved now. As believers, we're saved now. And so when we get to heaven, God's not going to say, well, let me see. Any money, any meeny money, more, off to hell you go. No, that's not how it's going to work. Nor is God going to say, come over here. I want to embarrass you before the whole universe. Hello. 
Let me say something that I think is vitally important. There's different uh, awards at the judgment seat of Christ. It's called the Bema seat. In the Greek, they called it the Bema seat. And the king or the referee, the judge, would determine at before the Olympics, they, we call it Olympics, before their time of, of fights or, you know, their great uh, uh, different forms of, of sports and athletic events and racing and all that, the judge would bring the athlete before him in a private session. And the judge would determine whether he was worthy or, or qualified to run in the race. Well, that's what Jesus did for you and I. When we gave our hearts to Jesus Christ, the judge qualified us to run in the race. God qualified us to live from the time we're born again to the time we die or raptured to receive rewards from God. Now, after the race or after the battle or after the, the competition, the winner will be brought before the Bema seat. And the winner will be brought forth in private. The first meeting is private. He sees if they're good to go, good to go forth in the, uh, in the uh, uh, activities. That's what God did for you and I when we got saved. It's a private thing. When I got born again, oh yeah, the public knew about it, but uh, it, it's between me and Jesus Christ. I get saved and then publicly it's, it exalts from there. And it exalts from there because we start running in front of people. We start telling others about Jesus Christ. We start living for God uh, uh, from that moment on. So it, it, we're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believe it, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And we, Jesus Christ said, if you're ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him shall I be ashamed when I cometh in the glory of my Father with his holy angels. And so we know that once we are qualified to live for God, that's called being born again, private manifestation of God's deliverance, then we're qualified to start living for Jesus Christ. After we live for Christ, the athlete that would run the race or participate in the challenges, um, the winner would be brought before the judge again. And the judge would decide in private whether he legally and whether he kept the rules and whether he was legitimately a winner, if he legitimately won. After the judge decides yes, he legitimately won, then the judge would bring the winner to the front in public and he would put a crown upon him and he would cherish him and relish him with rewards publicly before all to see. That is the judgment seat of Christ. That's the Bema seat. You know, I, I used to always worry about going before God in the judgment seat of Christ and think, oh my goodness, you know, the Lord's going to show a big screen of everything I ever did in my life. Oh my goodness, you're going to put up a big old screen, going to show everything I ever thought, everything I ever seen, everything I ever done. I mean, no, that's terrifying. I'd like to see yours, but not mine. <laughs> Honestly, I would like to watch your television 
that day when it's all laid out. But that's not really biblical. I think it probably will be a private meeting. I think Jesus Christ will sit down with us and he'll say, now, why did you do this? Now, Jesus knows why you did it. He knows everything. But Jesus may confront you with something you've done and he might say, explain this to me. And you might say, I forgot. I don't remember. And the Lord might say, don't go there. I gave you a brand new glorified body. You remember. Hello? (laughs) So no excuses. God will determine. He will decide at the judgment seat of Christ. Now someone would ask, when is this judgment? And some people teach that the judgment will happen immediately after the rapture or immediately after you die. I don't believe that because the Bible says that blessed are they who die in the Lord. From henceforth they rest from their labors according to uh, Revelation chapter 14 and their works do follow them. It didn't say their faith follows them, it said their works follow them. And so everything we've ever done If we were raptured now, the things that we've done would carry on here during the great tribulation, good things. Um, Our works will follow us. So the judgment's not going to happen until at least toward the end of the great tribulation, the great white throne, not the great white throne, the judgment seat of Christ, or it may even be after the millennial, the judgment of the nations. I'm not sure. I don't know how for our influence will go into the millennial reign, but it'll be a time when our works follow us and then we'll be given reward. Jesus Christ said that he, he, he would come and his reward will be with him. And so let me point out um, the scripture in uh, first, uh, second Corinthians, rather, chapter five, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that which he had done, whether it be good or bad. You say, oh, preacher, good or bad. That scares the fire out of me, good or bad. I'm not worried about the good, but the bad? Well, the bad there, he's not talking about your sin. He's talking about the things you did for your own motives, for your own desires. Attitude means a lot in your, in your awards from Jesus Christ. When you're awarded your motive for doing it, did you do it out of love for Christ or did you do it to be seen of man? See what I'm talking about? And, and, so, and by the way, Jesus Christ said, if you do something in front of men, uh, he says, you have your reward. You've already got it then. But if you do it in secret and not let your right hand know what your left hand do or vice versa, then you'll have a reward. You give a cup of water in a, in a prophet's name, you'll have a reward. And so he's just trying to say your motives are right. I remember Judy when she taught homeschool. Many times the kids would get this iron face on them. And I remember Judy would say, get that attitude off your face. And I think what we see is in the judgment seat of Christ, he's trying to say to us now, get that attitude off your face. We don't want to appear before God without rewards. I'm going to heaven. I know I am. But I also know that I'm going to judgment. It's appointed unto men once to die. Every man's going to face judgment. And the Bible says in verse 10 that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Um. 
I, I looked at that and, and I, I thought that word appear is awesome. What did Jesus do in, in Hebrews 9, 27 and 28? He appeared. Jesus appeared, and when he appeared, devils trembled. Jesus appeared, and when he appeared, he did what was necessary to save us from our sin. Jesus appeared, performed miracles, went to the cross, rose again from the dead. Jesus appeared. He's going to reappear, appear the second time, not with condemnation to his church, but he'll appear without sin unto salvation. Beautiful verse, isn't it? I said beautiful verse, isn't it? Amen. And so um, when you think about this, this beauty of, of a verse, when you talked about Jesus Christ, he appeared, then we need to understand there's also some beauty in this verse 10 of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat. Now, many of you, you all you hear is, I must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That's all you hear. But I love that word, we must all appear. Amen. You know, there's a lot of people on this earth that love Jesus Christ, but they have disappeared. From our sight, they sleep in Christ. There's a lot of people, you know, have lived in the 1700s, 1800s, 1900s, and they have disappeared. Their bodies have decayed to dust. There's, there's Christians that have disappeared across the ages, but they have not disappeared out of the eyes of God. And they are still in the presence of God. We just don't see it. And I love that phrase, we shall all appear. Woo! See, you miss it when you say, well, yeah, I know I got to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Yeah. No, oh, the word appears pretty appealing to me. It appears to be a blessing to me, amen? amen? We must all appear. So if you have a loved one that died 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 1800s, 1700s, they don't, you know, you might have a photograph 1800 years ago, probably not so much, but you might have a photograph, might have some memory of them, but they're kind of disappeared. But they're still in the hands of God and God's gonna make them all reappear. Now, that's majestic. See, someone may, may live a life for Christ, waste their life, not serve God, die and die 100 years ago, maybe 50 years ago, 20 years ago, whatever, and they're, they, they've kind of disappeared. But God still has them. They're still, they still exist. But one day, he'll make them appear. Isn't that beautiful? Appear for God's rewards. He's gonna, and we're talking about, and by the way, this works for the lost too in Revelation 20, the last five verses, the great white throne judgment, they too will appear as lost people to be judged. But this, this, this is talking about the Christian people. They shall appear. I love that. I love that phrase that we shall appear. Now, not only shall we appear at the judgment seat of Christ, we will appear there for rewards. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time tonight because we've had a pretty full night tonight um, already and a beautiful night tonight. But let me just simply read a few scriptures to you and then we're going to wrap this sermon up. Uh, Luke chapter 12, and Luke is always throwing me in a, a, a circle. I mean, Luke, Luke was a great doctor, but when you read Matthew, Mark, and John, 
And then read Luke. You say, what are you doing to me? Luke was the doctor, the physician. And Luke said in chapter 12, verse 3, Therefore, whatsoever ye have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light, and that which you have spoken in the ear of the closet shall be proclaimed upon the housetop. Oh, boy, what a bummer. Matthew 12, verse 36. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Again, bummer. But what if I was to tell you that in the setting of these scriptures... He is talking about the lost, the great white throne judgment. He's not talking about the believer. He's not talking about the born-again child of God. You say, well, don't you think the born-again child of God ought to be accountable for his words? You better believe it. Absolutely. But you'll be condemned in this world if you use the long, wrong, long vocabulary. Let me read a couple of scriptures to you. John 5, 24, Verily I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Notice in 1 John 2, 28, we're not to be a, We should not be ashamed. And now, little children, abide in him that we shall appear. We may, when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed at his coming. So the judgment and the coming of Jesus Christ can bring shame to our heart and we can feel quite ashamed of how we live. So we must watch the words we say and we must be careful. But the the idea that God's going to drag everything out you ever did after you got saved. See, Pentecostal preachers, and I are one, are real bad about this. Bless God, you can be forgiven for all your sins before you were saved. When you got saved, whoo, slate clean, born again. All your sins are forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ. But wait a minute. After you got saved, you better walk the chalk because God's going to beat you up. Anybody ever heard preaching like that? I've done some of that. It's pretty good. I like that kind of preaching. It scares the devil out of people. It's not too bad. Only one problem, it's not real scriptural. We walk in the light as he is in the light, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all our sins. As you walk in the light of Jesus Christ, you don't have to run around every five seconds confessing everything you did wrong. Because you have an automatic Holy Ghost human spirit washer cleaning you all the time because you have a heart for God. Amen? Now, if the Lord burdens you to talk to him about a sin, you better get it taken care of because the burden means a spanking later on if you don't respond. Now, um, We're going to talk about rewards just for a minute. I'm not going to spend a great deal of time the rest of tonight. But we do need to understand that when we get saved, God begins a cleansing process. When we're born again, God begins a cleansing process. We're perfectly saved. We're sanctified. But sanctification not only is positional, but it is progressive. 
So when we get sanctified, sanctified means set apart for Jesus Christ. We're saved, we're sanctified. And then we're sanctified along the way by the washing of God's word. We're sanctified by we serving God. The Holy Ghost comes and deals with us so that we won't be like the world. Can I get an amen? Last time I was in a place this quiet, it was a dentist's waiting room. Now, except for the moans in the back. But anyway, but um, God cleanses us. And a lot of people, Christian, when you get saved, I've seen this all my life. I've watched people get saved, born again, give their heart to Jesus Christ, but then they, they straddle the fence. They got one leg over one side of the fence and one leg over on the other side of the fence. They can't hardly let go of the world and they get their foot over on the other side of the fence and they just, you know, they're kind of teetering on the fence and the Holy Ghost comes along and electrifies the fence. You either jump off on the other side or jump off on the right side, but you're going to do some jumping. That's how God works. If you don't think that's how God works, you just give him a try. He'll he'll work that way, amen? All right, I'm going to say a few things, and we're going to wrap this sermon up. I hope you've got blessed tonight. I hope the Lord has spoke to your heart. I I hope you're thrilled with the fact that that your judgment seat of Christ may be private. I'm hoping it is. Hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. But if it's not, I'm not going to be condemned to hell because I've been saved. Now, there's awards that we receive as we live for Christ. We receive awards uh, awards from the Lord. Jesus Christ said, I come, and my reward is with me. So Jesus Christ gives, there's five crowns that people can achieve, that they can have. Did you know uh, Revelation chapter 2 and 3 is filled with some of those rewards in, in the judgment seat of Christ. Revelation 2, verse 10 to the church of Smyrna, there's the crown of life. Smyrna was the one that was put to death, martyred. It's a martyr's crown. Revelation 2, verse 7, there's the right to eat of the tree of life. Now, do we eat the tree of life to stay alive? No. We've already eaten the tree of life. His name is Jesus Christ. Do we eat, do we eat the, the, the tree of life and rub the leaves of the healing of the nations in Revelation chapter 21 and 22? Do we eat? Do we drink of the water of life? Do we eat of the tree of life in order to stay alive? No, we eat for the fact that, well, we just enjoy it. Amen? Now, I eat for two reasons. I eat to stay alive and I eat for pleasure. Pleasure's more than to stay alive. Kind of pleasure kind of snowballs on me. I like pleasure. Golden Corral pleasure. I like Brahm pleasure. I like buffet pleasures. I like potluck pleasures. I like candy bar pleasures. I like soda pop and ice cream and banana split pleasures. I like pleasure. So when we get to heaven, we're not eating to stay alive. We're eating because it's pleasure. It's it's good. It's fun. It's it's like a memorial of Jesus Christ, like taking the cup and the bread, the tree of life. So we're 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 given the right to the tree of life, and then we're we're given hidden manna. Pergamus Church, he offered them hidden manna. I don't know about you, 
But I kind of like the idea of eating some angel food sometime. I like angel food cake. Does that count? And so it's the same manna that you had in the wilderness. And so we have the manna, the church of Pergamos in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. And then we receive a white stone. And on that white stone is our new name. That's another reward that we can receive if we do certain things to honor God. A little white stone. I don't know how big that stone will be. Don't know whether it'll be like this, or whether it'll be like this, or whether it'll be like this. I don't know. But I know that it will be a white stone like no other stone. It will have beauty that is beyond description. A white stone. And on that white stone, we get a brand new name. Isn't that beautiful? A brand new name. That's one of those rewards. Now, they told, uh, uh, the angel told them the white stone when they, when they had court in session, many times they would have a black stone and a white stone. And if after the court session, the, the jurors would produce their stone. A black stone meant you're dead, you're guilty. A white stone meant you're free. And so Jesus Christ offers us a white stone. There's a, there's a lot of gifts and a lot of rewards in chapter 2 and 3 of Revelation to the churches. Not only is there a white stone with a new name, no burdens to Thyatira, the morning star will be ours, meaning the brightness of the glory of Christ will come. White raiment, we'll all be given white raiment. New name on us. And then the Bible says that he'll make us a, a pillar in the house of God. I will write on him my new name. I like that. God's going to write his name on me. That's pretty cool. I'll get to sup with Jesus. He's going to invite me to dine with him. And then there's to sit on God's throne. I'll get to sit along with the ruling power of Jesus Christ as his, part of his bride of the Lord. So there's many different uh, awards, many different things you can win uh, that you can receive on the uh, judgment seat of Christ. So well, it don't matter to me. I just want to get to heaven. It'll matter to you when you get there. In fact, did you know how you live for Jesus down here is going to determine how you shine for him up there? Amen. You're going to go by and say, "Woo! there's a bright one walking by. Your glorified body going, woo-hoo, shining. As Daniel says in the last chapter of the book of Daniel, shine as the stars of heaven, the firmament of the heaven. And then there'll be others walk by and you say, ooh, that's pretty. Not real bright, but that's pretty. Amen? No one's going to be jealous of another person. Hello? How many like that idea? The Bible says we'll be given white raiment. And I've got to wrap this sermon up because we've run out of time. But the Bible says we'll be given white raiment. Don't get it in your head that when we get to heaven, there's only going to be one apparel and it's going to be white robe. Get that out of your head. We don't, we're not going to live for eternity from everlasting to everlasting running around in white robes. We're going to have white robes. It's the righteousness of Christ in us. We're purified. But don't get it in your head that every, you know, every event that you're invited to in heaven, you got to show up in your white robe. We're going to... We're going to be given different colors of apparel. 
Amen. There's no tailor like God. And when you understand, you say, how can you prove that? Come on, preacher. You ain't got no Bible for that. Read the apparel of the priest and the high priest in the Old Testament. Read about their apparel. Their apparel was to be glorious. And I believe there'll be times when we'll come into a place and we will look glorious because of our apparel. I don't know about you, but I like new duds with pockets. <laughs> Hello. Amen. I'm going to have this beautiful white robe in one big pocket right here. And, and everybody's going to say, what does Brother James need a pocket for? And God will say, that's just trying to help him have confidence. Amen. Hello. We're going to talk about the, the, the crowns and the apparel. And uh, we talked about the house burning to the ground. Um, how every man's work should be tried by fire. That's at the judgment seat of Christ. And we build with gold and silver and, and precious stones. And when the house burns, the only thing left in the ashes is the gold and silver and precious stones. And right now you're building a house for God. Right now you're building things for God. Don't build it with sticks. Don't build it with 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 hay and straw. Don't build it with uh, wood, hay, and stubble. Build it with pearls. Build it with beautiful things. Build it with silver and gold that will not perish. In fact, the fire will just make the gold more glorious. The fire will make the diamonds more glorious. The fire will make the precious stones more glorious. The fire will make the silver more glorious. One day we'll stand before God and we'll be judged. I'm hoping that will be in a private session like my being born again was, and then I went out from that to serve the Lord. I'm hoping that when I get to heaven, whether it be death or rapture, whenever the judgment seat of Christ is, I'm hoping that much of that will be in private. If it's not, lucky you. Poor me. And that gives new meaning to, he shall wipe the tears from my eyes. I don't know that it'll be public. I, I'm thinking it'll be more private. But your awards will be public. And God will give you glorious blessings. Now, I don't know about you, but I kind of like the idea of going to heaven and getting awards, getting, getting stuff. Amen? I mean, if we're just going to get saved, and that's all, born again, and Praise God that, you know, we're saved, that we're going to go to heaven. Then why do anything? Just sit around and wait for him to show up. Well, I'm not going to sit around and just wait for him to show up. I want some rewards. You say, well, it don't matter to me. It will. When you see me walk past, my, past you in my white robe with a pocket, you're going to say, boy, I wish I'd have got a white robe with a pocket. Yeah. <laughs> When you, when you see me, you'll say, Pastor, that's a nice suit you got. I said, it is. It's got pockets all over it. Yeah. Some of you, if you wasn't here Sunday, you ain't got a clue what I'm talking about. But if you were here, you know what I'm talking about. But um, I'm glad God's going to give us awards. I'm glad when we go to heaven, there doesn't be no competition. We're not going to be jealous of each other. But we will have 
awards given us some more authority than others. We'll, we'll rule in more areas than others will rule. We'll, we'll have occupations, things to do that are more in a higher level than others. But it doesn't mean we're better than each other. We'll all have the same amount of joy, all have the same amount of love, all have the same amount of peace and grace and God uh, holiness in our heart. We'll all be thrilled and no one will care either way, but you'll be glad that God has adorned you with Jesus Christ. Amen. Pocket. Thank God for pockets. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Stand with me. We're going to give an invitation. We, we went a little longer tonight than normal, but we had to get Chris and Julie married, remarried, double married, Silver anniversary. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Me and Judy had ours 47th year. I guess that's our dirt anniversary. But anyway, no, that was our pocket anniversary. Yeah. But I'm, I'm proud of Chris and Julie. They've been such a blessing to our church. I'm, I'm proud of everybody that comes to our church. What a blessing. But let's work hard that when we get to heaven, the Lord can say, and he won't say this to everybody. Jesus will not, you think he's going to say it to everybody. He is not. He's not going to say to everybody, well done, thy good and faithful service. Because you've been faithful in a few things, I'll make you rule over many. He won't say that to everybody because not everybody's been good and faithful. Not everybody's been a servant. But because of Jesus, Everybody that's blood washed and redeemed will go to heaven and will escape the lake of fire, the second death. Josh, go ahead and sing. We're going to invite you if you'd like to come, talk to the Lord. Or you'd like to make some commitment to God. Say, God, I want to have some more faithfulness and commitment. I want to do some things that will produce some rewards, awards from you. And I want us to have... God, I want, I want the good spirit, a good attitude, and do things with the right motive. Because one day, I'll sure be glad I did. And God will be so pleased if you will. Amen.